Están escuchando el viaje medianoche con el gran Guillermo. Este cinefilo lo va a llevar fantasmal por mías y mías. up it's the second last episode of the season for the midnight ride and tonight we're going to be talking about something that's appropriately spooky it's a film from uh that was programmed i should say by a good friend of the show a good friend period the oiliest of maniacs jay now jay um has his own geek going on around uh, the internet and that of course is the trashy trio with his lovely co-hosts, Wendy and Josh. Um, Jay is um, a bit of a collector. He's been collecting since the tape trading days and uh, Laserdisc days, and he certainly has an affection and knowledge of Asian film that is um, in the upper tier of, of genre fans, to be sure. Um, and thankfully he chose something for me that, again, has, has been the, the recurring theme, it seems, sort of serendipitous with a lot of the programming. He picked uh, Kuroneko from... Japan, uh, 1968 was it? Yes, in 1968, and uh, Kaneda Shindo film. Um, now Kaneda Shindo um, is a pretty accomplished director, uh, having done Anibaba, which, ironically, I had told Jay I tend to mix up in my head. He had asked me if I'd seen quite. I think he'd said he asked me if I'd seen quite on, and I said I did, and I loved it. Um, I think then he asked me about. Uh, Kuroneko or Onibaba and uh, there's one more in there but it's like 6 in the morning on Halloween so I can't recall what it was uh, yeah I, you know I'm not even going to try it, oh, it's so terrible but there's 3 or 4 sort of Japanese ghosty films from the time period that um, tend to kind of swirl around in my head and um, yeah so Jay had picked this one for me and luckily, I was able to get the Masters of Cinema disc in my hands. Uh, I believe Criterion has the blue out now, which I'm sure looks fantastic, as they always do. Um, so yeah, basically, let me synopsize this before I forget. Uh, a woman and her daughter-in-law are raped. I thought it was daughter. Yeah, I thought it was... Well, anyway, a daughter or daughter-in-law are raped and murdered by soldiers during a time of civil war. Afterwards, a series of samurai entering, or returning from the war through that area are found dead samurai is sent to investigate and yeah that kind of summarizes it without getting into some 
specific plot points that, that might spoil a first-time view for someone. Now, I have to ask, it's a bit of a rhetorical question, truthfully, but does anyone, anyone, do kind of the artfully dreadful, atmospheric uh, ghost story like the Japanese? I mean, they've been doing it for 50-plus years so well there's just no one that comes close to what they do with ghosts. Uh, even if you look at something nowadays, like um, Ringu or Juan, um, just fantastic films. And unfortunately, they've become a bit marred in some people's eyes by an oversaturation in remakes here, uh, uh, stateside or North American side. Um, but they're still... I mean, the remakes, I would say, especially Ringu, or The Ring, is a fine remake. Um... The Grudge is okay, but um, it's probably deterred some people from seeking out uh, the originals in Japan if they've not seen them, and uh, I would highly implore them to check them out because they're fantastic and they're among the creepiest films uh, in the genre, regardless of, of era or, or country or anything else. In fact, Juan 2 is, is probably the film that kind of unnerved me the most that I've seen in the past, um, I don't know, 15 years or so, um, yeah, it was pretty creepy shit, so anyway, I digress though, but it, just the Japanese have always had this, this long tradition of ghosts on film, and these vengeful ghosts, and, and how atmospheric they make it, like, they make it classy, without resorting to kind of obvious jump scares, and teacups moving, and sort of things that we find so often in, in a lot of other, uh, in North American kind of ghosty films. Um, and they always do it in a beautiful way, I mean, um, there's some stuff in here with some smoke, and it blooms from a house that's been set on fire, and just before it's completely consumed by flames, and uh, it just looks wonderful, and it, this isn't something that was CGI, I mean, you know, snow, let me say Snoke, smoke is pretty unpredictable, and for them to kind of, um, be able to almost choreograph the smoke, booming and billowing out of this house before it becomes engulfed, uh, really had to take some thinking, I'm sure, on their part, unless it was a happy accident, but either way, mission accomplished, because it does look quite beautiful, and, um, yeah, now, that's kind of going to be the, the, the word of the day with this review, is beauty, or beautiful, um, alongside creepy, I guess, um, the... And I do want to say, uh, I'd mentioned, just to backtrack for a moment, I'd mentioned mixing this up with Onibaba, and they're very similar films, done right down to the plot points with a, a mother and daughter, vengeful ghosts. And I think to even add to the confusion, the lead actress in this who plays the mother also plays the mother in Onibaba, and they're directed by Kaneda Shindo, so... <clears throat> um, I, yeah, it's, it's a bit confusing, certainly, but... Uh, I'm sure Onibaba now is going to be the next on my list to seek out, and I'll be curious which one I, I prefer. Uh, if any of you guys want to let me know which one you prefer, that'd be great. Um, anyway, um, maybe I have seen Onibaba, actually. I don't know. I, I gotta maybe get it at least, and if not, watch it, then rewatch it. Because a lot, of the, a lot of the stuff felt vaguely familiar to me with this, but I know I hadn't seen it, so... Anyway, um... There's some fantastical stuff, not fantastical, fantastic stuff with uh, a lot of these samurai. What happens is you get a little bit, and it doesn't feel redundant, but a little bit of wash, rinse, repeat with these samurais going horseback 
into this uh, blackened village and um, the camera really it works very well to add to kind of the the ghostly feel the way the camera kind of just glides and it slowly kind of pulls into a, um, a scene and, and it's really exceptional really beautiful and I mean a lot of times with Japanese films of the era I often think of it as being very still and it's not overly kinetic but the stuff when it does move is very evocative of of a ghost story and it works quite well hand in hand with with the themes and tones and the mood that um uh, Kaneda Shindo was going for, you know, alongside some kind of calm stillness and and uh, and sort of a ghostly presence behind the camera. Um, so that works quite well. Uh, there's some really great dialogue in the film. It's well written. It's again always the thing that I marvel at is how well Japan marries genre film with kind of high art. Um, they have a long storied history of, of theater and I think that lends itself well to a lot of these kind of campfire tales and, and ghostly stories because a lot of times when I've seen genre films from uh, from Japan um, they've always been done with with and I don't mean this certainly disparagingly at all quite the contrary but a bit of a stagey feel in some ways um, partially in terms of the actors and their craft and the performances but also in the like the mise en scene in these in this film and these films are is just uh, second to none. Um, some of the lighting effects they employ, the way they'll kind of f- fade the lights in or out of a scene, feels very theatrical, um, but in the best possible way. So uh, you know it it works quite well, especially when you don't want to get into too much um, busy camera stuff because this is a film; it's a period film, and truth be told. Um, being a ghost story, you want to kind of just almost dissolve into nothing when you're transitioning between um, between shots and scenes and so forth. Uh, but one of the great lines I like in the film is is the mother laments. One of the, a samurai, a wandering samurai, comes into their um, their house, and I have to think too when I watch this film. Part of it is kind of commentary or critique on how patriarchal Japanese society is, and this is sort of a blanket revenge film of sorts for the long-suffering mothers and wives in uh, in, Jap- in Japan, and Japanese culture sometimes, with some of the things that happens, and a lot of societies, unfortunately, uh, for better, well, for worse, I guess, are overtly uh, patriarchal. Uh, there needs to be a little more of a balance, certainly, but um, with this, one of the lines I keep kind of digressing from as the mother laments to the samurai she said they're talking about the war and she says my son was taken plow still in hand and it's a sad line because you get the sense of um how their lives were not just changed from well number one emotionally they're changed on having the son around number two as farmers on sort of the outskirts of the land how much their lives were impacted by not having the man around the house and how harder things became for the wife, and uh, thirdly, how young a lot of these men were, as is always the case in war, right, it's just, it's a, it's a tragedy beyond tragedy, um, <sighs> sorry about that, um, there's some really great, um, 
rhythmic kind of drums in the film. The score, as is usual with films of this kind, is effective and it's minimal, and it's never intrusive. It, it always um, complements the atmosphere quite well, and uh, yeah, it, it works really, really well. Um, now, oh, I can't really well. I think that the the premise for this is kind of known. It is a ghost story, certainly, but um, there's some some good kind of um, physical stuff done by some of the, the people in the film or the the ghosts. Like there's a really great overhead kind of bite because they become blood sucking demons, as it were. There's a pact made with the devil with some of the characters, and the bites in it are, are kind of suitably nasty. They don't feel kind of toothless and kind of silly. Like they work even by today's standards. And then the blood kind of, you know, the blood kind of coming out and what have you. So they work quite well. But um, to tie into the score and how rhythmic it felt, even the film itself feels very rhythmic in the way it's edited. And and there's always the the sequence of the samurai coming to the house and how ritualistic it feels. And and uh, like I said, the mise en scene is, is I can't believe I've used the term twice in, in this review. I've never used it in uh, five plus years on the, on the TTTMC. Um, but uh, it just—it's so set up so wonderfully and so rhythmic, and with uh, with the mother kind of almost doing this ritualistic dance, uh, cutting in with the footage of, of the daughter with the samurai. It uh, it really works quite quite well, um, as is always the case with films of this nature. Dialogue is used economically but effectively. We don't need a, a ton of exposition. We have enough to. to suit what needs to happen on screen and move things along, never more than that, um, and yeah, that death dance that I spoke about with, uh, with one of the characters is really fantastic because there's some scenes when it's kind of accompanied by some, some light and some fog, and again, just, just makes it kind of a chilling, moody piece, and it's, uh, it's so very effective, uh, I mean, I, I don't think this, this, you know, probably isn't a beer and pizza movie, unless you're having beer and pizza with a certain crowd, but um, as sort of a one or two person kind of nighttime viewing, it's very effective. I mean, even above and beyond that, just for critical analysis, uh, as far as the craft of filmmaking goes, um, it, uh, it works quite well. Um, I love the way that the, the women in the film, they focus on their eyes a lot and kind of their movement of their eyes and gestures and and um, you kind of all, you always get like that that sense that some well you know something's going to happen but just the way that their their body language heightens the tension before something unfolds uh, in some of the scenes with them it's uh, it works quite well uh, on a lighter note or on a more macho note I want to say his name is I want to say his name is Kai Sato um, I believe that's who it is. This dude has to be the most hairy-chested Japanese man in the history of cinema. And he's got an incredible mustache. I, I mean, I'm not lying. Burt Reynolds would be... would weep at the majesty of this man's mustache and chest hair combination. It's really incredible. Now, he plays um, the heel of the film, but uh, he's quite good in the film. And like I said, it's just pretty amazing. That See... It doesn't really make a lot of sense for them to have a dude kind of walking around with his shirt off, but this guy's chest hair is so amazing, they had to just say, you know what, we got to get a shirtless scene in here. So, 
yeah, uh, good stuff, good stuff. Um, I have to always think when I see a film of this, uh, of this time and of this mood. The Japanese tend to employ black, uh, you know, the color black better than anyone in film. The way they use it with shadows and just with, with, um, with things on the set and so forth. They always use black very, very well and seems to be like the blackest of blacks. And that's why I think some people maybe are a bit leery about getting black and white Blu-rays because they won't pop. But um, I can tell you that with blacks, this black and, and the, 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 how effective they use it and how effective you see someone like Kurosawa use black and white. Um, the blacks always look good when you're uh, watching a Japanese film of this era from a good filmmaker. Um, and yeah, I mean, there's just something about this kind of old tale, kind of campfire tale um, that works well in sort of these hushed tones from Japan that, uh, really, really, really wonderful stuff, um, despite being a horror movie of sorts, the film isn't without a heart, there's a great kind of poignant scene in a return home that, it's, it's so unheard of to have ghosts be able to tell their story and for it to be sad and tragic and bittersweet and just kind of heart-wrenching, but we get that in this film. And in fact, the uh, chosen demise of a character in this, or characters, is all the more um, poignant for it, uh, because we really see the anguish of the ghosts, and um, we get a really kind of beautiful, haunting montage of some lovers and an embrace, and and the mother's kind of unrest, and like I said, this sort of ritualistic dance that takes place, and. Uh, yeah, it just, it's a really hard, and that's just kind of followed up with a heartbreaking scene with the, the mother and son, and this, it's one of those scenes that's great in cinema where we have one character's knowledge, and it's all the more tragic for them because we have that knowledge that they have, but we're also able to immerse ourselves from the other character's perspective, who is unwittingly uh, involved, and who's involved in the scene but isn't aware of the knowledge that you have that the other character has in the film, and it just, it, it's played, you know, very well, very, very well, um, I think that the film, like a lot of films, is commentary, not only on Japan, I mean, it could have been anywhere, but just a lot of times film and genre film is used as social commentary, and I think you certainly see that, not only on the sort of patriarchal nature of society, but, but the nature of war, and how cruel it is, and how unforgiving, and how disruptive it is to families and to life. Um, and how appalling that is um, and I think you know this film really has a lot of it's not a busy film right there's a lot of isolation a lot of solitude a lot of quiet but that isolation I think makes the film more horrifying and more tragic because it leaves us leaves us with the kind of the stillness of the film and the stillness of our thoughts now I'm going to kind of wrap up here in a minute but I do want to say there's a there's a, a stunt or kind of a, a sequence at the back end of the film that involves a demon or a ghost, and uh, it involves a, a ghost or demon uh, jumping up through the roof of a house, and that that was done really really well. I mean, for a film that it really isn't emphasizing stunt work and physical work, the way they do, I don't know if they did it like the reverse where they shot it in reverse with them coming through the ceiling. Uh, but it worked quite well, and you didn't. It didn't look kind of obviously kind of wuxia with uh, ropes and strings and all this stuff. It, it looked really good for its time. Um, 
And then my final note is, does anyone do snow as beautifully and poetic as the Japanese? I think snow is so cinematic, whether it's a spaghetti western like The Great Silence, or whether it's something like, um, I want to say that it's, it's Snow Angels, the David Gordon Green film maybe, but snow is so wonderful in films and so cinematic and uh, it just works so well, but the Japanese again, kind of that calm, still snow, it's done so beautifully and so poetically. Um, and the film's kind of ended off on that, I know, with some snow. But uh, I'm going to get into my make or breaks and what have you here. Uh, this film's definitely a treat. Uh, thankfully, I've finally seen it. Um, I just like I said, I kept dancing around Onibaba this, uh, having already seen Kwaidan. And uh, there was one. Jigoku is the other one, sorry, I'm thinking of. And I've seen Jigoku. So it was these two, Onibaba. And maybe I had seen it, like I said, but I don't know. It's not overly familiar to me, despite with this film feeling vaguely familiar. Um, I can't remember if there's a sequence in Jigoku that's similar to this, with the vengeful kind of... I don't know. I'll have to look into it. It's been a while. But uh, Make or Break um, is the first meeting between a samurai and the demons. It's really, really good because we don't know... We know things how, kind of how they're going to unfold, but we don't know exactly how they're going to unfold. So it's kind of tense, and it's unnerving and creepy, and it works really well. Um, and that leads into my MVT, which is the atmosphere of the film. Ghost films are all about atmosphere because they're not about brutality or anything else. They have to be able to be creepy and atmospheric and unsettling, certainly. And this film has all those things and does all those things in spades. And my score for the film is an 8.25 out of 10. Uh, just an exceptional film, and I'll look it down the road during one of these Barnes & Noble sales to pick up this uh, Criterion disc and see some of the essays and, and the things on the film because it's, uh, it's a good one, to be sure. So... Thanks to uh, Jay for, for picking this one up for me, and or not picking it up, but for choosing it. Uh, it uh, certainly went over well. And with that, I will say, adios. All right, all right. You've been listening to the Midnight Ride with Lodge William, baby. Stay tuned for another episode where we bring the pumpkin to the pumpkins and the hangman's rope to the city foe. How? Mr. Hyde Dr. Jekyll avait en lui Un Monsieur Hyde qui était son mauvais génie Mr. Hyde ne disait rien Mais en secret n'en pensait pas moins Je vous dis que je ne suis pas le Dr. Jekyll Que mon nom est Hyde, Mr. Hyde Jekyll n'a eu dans sa vie que des petites garces qui se foutaient de lui. Mr. Hyde, dans son cœur, prenait des notes pour le docteur. Hyde qu'on aimait en lui Mr. Hyde Ce salaud a fait La peau, la peau du Dr. Jekyll